So, how'd you get started playing D and D? Tell me your backstory. Are, are we recording now? <laughs> We've been recording this entire time. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Erase everything. Delete. No, I'll, I'll edit. I'll edit the first bullshitting <laughs> period out. But fantastic. This is where we start. Okay. Yeah. Um, I started playing in two thousand three. Oh. 3.5. Respect. Going on 19 years now. Way too long. What? <laughs> I, I started in 98. Yeah. Um, I was a sheltered child, and my mother thought that, like, it was better if I did pretty things and girly things and cheerleading and gymnastics and all of that stuff. I was a musician, and I did music focus mostly. So when we got video games, um... I always wanted to play the video games. I was like, I want this too. And my brother would get it for his birthday instead of getting it for Christmas for both of us. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to play as much. But then in, ironically, in 2003, my best friend and I, we were going to church and we were doing this. We Neither of us were very religious. This was like a very, like a summer thing we decided to do just to see what it was about. And we enjoyed it until they started telling us like what we couldn't do suddenly. And then we're like, eh, we're not about that. Like, don't tell me I can't listen to Linkin Park anymore in the 90s, like in the 2000s, that's bullshit. I guess I should verify if cursing's cool, but I'm assuming it's- Oh yeah, I don't give a shit. Um, 18 plus, explicit, whatever. Um, So we decided that we weren't gonna go to church anymore because we didn't like the, the demeanor of the church that we are going to. And, but we still had Wednesdays to hang out together, so we were just walking around at Tate's Comics down in South Florida, which is like one of the biggest Florida comic book stores, and they had just opened a gaming satellite a couple months prior. And the gaming satellite was smaller than my office. It's super tiny, but it had all the D&D stuff, and it like it was 3.5 then, um, so they had miniatures and dice and... and magic and pokemon cards and stuff like that but it wasn't very big and we saw people playing something we're like what are you doing and they're like we're playing D D, and i'm like what is this and that and then they invited us to join the game and i'm like heck yes and that's how we fell in love i don't remember who i played in that game i just remember i was the only female character mm -hmm. in a group of five people and like that's literally all i remember from the game but it must not have been bad because i kept playing <laughs> that actually I'm trying to remember. You said three five in two thousand three. I forgot yeah, was um, was three point oh that short lived. Because uh, I, so. I remember they released yeah June two thousand three was three point five. Wow. Yeah, because I remember they pumped out a ton of stuff for third edition in only three and a half years, four years. Because uh, 3rd edition was released in 99. Okay, yeah. 2003. That's crazy. I'm just thinking about it like, because I, I remember I started with 2nd edition and then 3rd edition came out. Shortly and we all kind of we all kind of jumped ship um, to 3rd edition. And I just remember like immediately the Forgotten Realms book was released, the campaign setting, and then all the Forgotten Realms books for that, Monsters of Faerun, Magic of Faerun, all this crazy, all this stuff. And then they had all the class books were released. It's just, I'm just comparing it to um, like nowadays with 5e. It seems like their release schedule is more tame. It's a lot slower. 
I think now that they're building up more popularity, they've gotten a little bit faster, but not as fast as it used to be. Yeah. And my, I think the reason, I, I think I've had this conversation with someone, I don't recall who it was, so sorry person I was speaking to, but um, I think that the logic is that all the lore already exists out there. Hmm. So you technically, it doesn't change necessarily from 3.0 or advanced D&D to 5th edition. It's all the same lore. I could easily go find the 2E Planer's handbook and go use that to create a sigil campaign yeah. completely, which is what I've done. They don't need to come out with another Planer's handbook for 5th edition. Mm -hmm. The only thing that would it would add would be races and like locations and maybe that don't already have knowledgeable examples or monsters to put into the 5th edition campaign, mm -hmm. which they do need, to, I'm, I'm just saying, they need to add some Astral Plane monsters because I've been in the Astral Plane for my game right now and there's nothing except for like really, really high level stuff or stuff that's questionably not okay because it's based off of um, stereotypes and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they could just do, <laughs> they could just do like a Manual of Planes companion guide, whatever. Yes. And that's that it. That would be cool. Here's some updated races. Some maybe updated rules on how certain planes uh, act, and then here's some monsters. Yeah, I'm playing a, a character. So, spoiler alert if you're listening to Morning Blues. Um, my character's race is not known. She does not know what her race is. But she is based loosely off the Shadow Swift from 3.5, um, which is a Ash or Shadow Fell race. Because in 5th edition, you only have the Shatter Kai. That's, mm -hmm. that's it. That's all you got. And I didn't want to play Shatter Kai because I already played that and that sounded boring. and didn't really fit the character that I was going for. So I looked up Shadow Swift. And I don't really like their appearance. So mm -hmm. I changed what they looked like a little bit based off someone else's suggestions. But I love the concept of them. Um, but there's very little information about them. There's literally like one page of information about them from the Planer's Handbook. And that's all you get. So, fifth edition version for our homebrew could be variant because she doesn't know what she is. She doesn't know how old she's going to live for. All she knows is she can jump through shadows. And um, the version that I made for her versus what the version was because they're very alien-like looking. Yeah. Um, is the one that I found on homebrew for D and D Beyond was a they are either purely um, purely pale almost see-through where you can like see the tinge of color under their skin which i decided was rainbow because why not and um have completely dark black hair or they are the opposite where they are completely dark with white hair um which obviously i don't feel comfortable playing but i went with the palest fuck character with the dark black hair that has rainbow shine on her nice she has adhd and just poofs in and out of shadows constantly she's fun yeah. So, you don't know that she's a shadow swift you're watching this <laughs> i forgot how many uh just the amount of playable races in, in third and three five because i saw on my like google feed it was like god what was it? it was from screen rant and i really dislike them because they have a lot of really clickbaity articles that end up being pretty bad but they had one and it was like it was like the races that shouldn't come back in D D's next edition and I was like, 
okay. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, let's see what it is. And I thought they were going to say, here's the five E races that shouldn't come back. Instead, it was all, here's all the 3.5 races that shouldn't be in the next edition. And they picked these weird ass races that weren't in fourth. They weren't in fifth. They were only in third and 3.5. And it was like the one where it was like the Bahuman, Bahuaman. It was like a race of people that speak in whale song. And I'm like, they should bring that back <laughs> just because it would be funny. Right. Yeah. Right there. I'm like, maybe they should bring that back. Cause that sounds so bananas that you're going to get someone to be like, I'm going to play this character. And then all they have is a soundboard of whale noises. <laughs> I'm just looking at the list right now and holy crap, there are so many. Did you find it? I didn't find that list. Just us. I'm on a fandom website looking at how many races there were for 3.5. Oh yeah. There's so many. I mean, I might have played like five of them. Mm -hmm. I completely forgot how many they were or how many there were. I remember, I don't remember the name of them, but I played a stone race where I was, um, it was a prestige race, I believe. So it wasn't the O-Reed, like the Earth Genasis. No, it was, um, you, like you were completely made of stone. Think of a Dalkin, but stone. Was it the Mogs? Mog. The Mogs were like giant walking golems, M-A-U-G. M-A-U-G. See, those aren't even on here. So this isn't even the full list. They're liars. Oh, wait. Mog was 4? No, 3.5. Yeah. Uh... They were in a monster manual as a race. They were not those. Hold on. Stone. <laughs> Stone D&D race. Give me the answer, Google. Pretty much, that's what I'm just saying. This is a stone. It oh, was yeah. From there... the races of stone book, it that makes was sense. the stone child, I believe, or, or, or. Yeah, I think it was a stone child. Stone child, born of union of mortal and elemental, a stone child is hardly is a hardy entity grounded in soil and stone and gifted with incredible strength, fortitude, and a keen intellect. Although they are not the outcasts that half-orcs are, often are, stone children are rarely raised among others of their kind. Most stone children grow to maturity while living in dwarf or human communities, and those few who stay in the material plane often wander alone, taking up the mantle of adventure. Nice. But you're a gigantic stone person, and you're just super strong, and it was ridiculous. Yeah. And I loved her. I don't remember what I was playing, but I loved her. She was my favorite. Love all my characters. Yes, I've loved just about every character I've made, even the ones I've made that never got played, and they're just in a stack in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> or, or in the dark corner of my mind, like, oh, there's that character I'll never play. I love when people remind me of characters that I forgot about because I have a bad memory, and they're like... I love playing siblings. So I'm playing a sibling in the like one-off type game right now. And they're like, remember when you were a sibling in this game? I'm like, oh, I was a sibling in that game with you. Oh, no, I missed that character. Yeah, I have... God, so many characters over the years. So what was your, what's your favorite character you ever played? Do you have one? That's a tough question. Um, I do. <sighs> Ish. Okay, so I'm going to go with... 
favorite character was the first character that I like that lived in my heart rent free in my head and just will always be in my brain forever in all of eternity is Pixel from uh, PIX3L uh, from Shadowrun. She was a gnome decker and she was naive as fuck and flirted with the wrong person and caused a mafia war. So, you know, oh. as, as you do, as you do. I mean, she only flirted with one person. Yeah, it just happened to be the wrong dating. person. It, it was the daughter of the Irish Mafia leader. Oh. And then she got kidnapped by the... Uh, I'm going to say this wrong. Hold on. Uh, the... The Japanese one. And I can't remember what... Yakuza? Name. Yes, thank you. She got, um, she got kidnapped by the Yakuza, telling her that she needed to tell them all the secrets of her girlfriend's thing and she's like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about and then they drugged her with something that only affected people who were in um who had uh jack links into hmm. the system and so instead of like i don't know realizing that this is a terrible idea to date someone who's related to the mafia people she decided to call her girlfriend and like i don't know what to do please help me and that just started a war mm, that's hilarious also, she lived for a really long time surprisingly when other people just slowly kept dying. <laughs> and she slowly became evil as she kept making mistakes because she, like, wasn't thinking about the consequences and, like, killed 40 innocent people as trying to kill a sniper. And she's like, I did what? Hey, these things these things happen. <laughs> DM's like, well, you just said, you said fire suppression. It fills the entire building with boom. I wasn't thinking that far ahead. Oh, that's so good. I just didn't want to die by a sniper. Well, the fire's out. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. She is such my she is my favorite character. I actually have a drawing of her, but I have to find it. I commissioned a drawing because I loved her so much. Yeah, I wish I was one of those people that was artistically gifted, where I could just whip up drawings. I'm not. Yeah, I am. I am definitely not. I can like I can do maps very well. Hand-drawn maps, I'm great at. When it comes to drawing a person, it's stick figures is the best you're going to get. I am creative. Um, mm -hmm. You can kind of see it right there. I, I have a little beholder that I made. Oh, nice. Oh, that's sick. That's I awesome. That out of clay. Because I was bored one day and I was like, I saw someone else make something out of clay, and I was like, I want to make something out of clay. <laughs> it's pretty much why I have 33,000 art supplies in my house, because I get bored and want to try something new, and then I get bored of it and move on to another new Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's my wife. She has everything from wood burning to sculpting. I bought her a cricket. Uh, I had one of those, yeah. Everything, anything. She's like, I want to try this. I'm like, all right. You want to do art, I'll support you. So she made, I have it right here, this D20 holder. Let's see. It's just like oh, a chonky, awesome. chonky little gargoyle dragon thing. And the D20 that's sits in his belly. But she just like whips these things out, like grabs a pile of Sculpey and just like, here you go, it's done. I'm like, how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> I was bored. Yeah, I'm um, like, I have no skills like that. You need a story written? I can do that, no problem. But 
Yeah, I, I like to write, but I get distracted, so if it's too long, mm. it will never get finished. I have three unfinished novels that will probably never live to see the light of day. Um, I love the concept still. The concepts are still stuck in my brain. Probably never get finished. Um, crocheting, knitting wasn't a fan, candle making, uh, journal binding, um, sewing, diamond painting, sculpting, terrain building, mini painting, regular painting with watercolor and acrylic. Never oil paint, though, because it takes too long to dry. Um, cross-stitching? I'm sure there's more, but I just can't <laughs> think of them off the top of my head. But yeah. Try yeah. I was just working on Oh, some... I have stuff for resin dice, but I haven't done it yet. We tried that. We, uh, we bought like the cheapo molds on Amazon mm-hmm. and like poured some resin dice and everything I watched was essentially like these professional people on YouTube who were like, you don't need a pressure pot. You need, you, a, need you, need, you need a pressure pot. That's what we found out. So my wife made a bunch of molds, but now I just need to get around to buying a pressure pot so that we can make dice. My friend bought the uh, stuff for us, and then I have to buy like the respirator still. And hmm. then eventually we might buy a pressure pot because we're like, well, we'll, we'll play with it, see if we can get accustomed to it, and then put the money out. Mm-hmm. But then she started a new job shortly after that was like the complete opposite of my schedule. So now we just never have time to actually get together to play with it. Yeah. And I don't want to play with it by myself because I feel bad because then she paid for it. But... So it's just kind of sitting in my closet right now. <laughs> Plus, I don't have time. I'm always editing. Yeah. The nice thing is, like, it's really not that expensive to make resin dice. I mean, once you get the supplies. Yeah. Because the resin's relatively cheap for how little you use. And the hardest thing is probably the molds, but in the pressure pot. Like, if, if you do the pressure pot route, that's your most costly. Absolutely easily 150 minimum. Not, yeah, not including the air compressor. We spent, I think, about 100 so far on everything we needed. Like, we're talking gloves, we're talking, like, hmm. the mixing cups that you can throw away. Yeah. The molds. Um, no dyes, no inserts no glitter nothing like Mm. that so that's not counting any of the other stuff that could happen we just got the bare minimum basic stuff we still need to get masks um because you need a respirator to play with resin um yeah but other than that (laughs) you're supposed to have (laughs) i i have my like i i just got a 3d printer and i it's got a big vat of resin that it prints from and every time I open it up to like take out a mold or, or take out a, a finished piece or start something, I'm always like, I get that whiff of resin. Like, I'm like, I should be wearing a mask. I'm like, I should have a mask on, but I'll be fine. I'm already here. <laughs> and that was like when I was when I was working with uh, uh, the resin for like casting dice, <laughs> like I had no mask on. I had no gloves on. <laughs> and I'm like mixing the resin and I realized like I'm mixing this resin in like a disposable cup. This cup is done. Like it's garbage now. Mm-hmm. I'm looking around like this is really wasteful. I kinda hate that. Like there from are a... silicone cups that you can get yeah. reusable. Yeah, you can just kind of pop the resin out and then reuse them. That's what I'm gonna have There's... to look into. Yeah. Those are uh like you would still waste the wooden stick that you're stirring because mm-hmm. you can't use like plastic or metal with it. And they're I don't know how well a silicone spoon would work or a mixer would work. It seems like it'd be a little too flimsy. Yeah. 
Um, so you would still be wasting like popsicle sticks or some sort of some sort of stirrer device. But otherwise, I think the silicone molds I've seen, and then the ones where you could just pop them out really easily, so you don't need any like type of release and nothing like that. But I haven't played with them. I've just watched a shit ton of videos. Oh, I know. There's so many. <laughs> I also love watching carpentry videos, even though I will never do carpentry because I don't have the space for it. Mm -hmm. There's so many cool things I want to make or at least have somebody else make for me that I don't have to do the work. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love doing woodworking, but my woodworking skills are like rather novice. But yeah, when I watch those professional ones where they're like hiding a screw in a board where they take a chisel and they just like peel back the wood a little bit, drill their hole, put in their screw, put some wood glue, pull the wood back over and it's like, Tape it. it's perfect. Magic. I'm like, what? Oh man, I suck. I love the ones where it's like they uh, don't even need screws for it. Mm. It's like, oh, it's just it's just together because we're smart and we used wood and that's how they did it back in the day, way before screws existed. I'm mm -hmm. like, Wait, what? Yeah, with all their dovetails and angles and everything, just kind of like slots in together. How did you make that one? They're like, oh, we soak the wood and then you do this and then you do that. Next, I'm like, tell me more. Yeah. I don't know why I need to know this, but I need to know this. It's just magic. That's it. It's just magic. It's all magic. If you can't explain it, it's magic. If you can't explain it in a sci-fi setting, it's science. I will say that, um, is that in here? I don't, oh no, it's in the closet. Um, I will say that I did use wood-ish things. I used wood stain when I was doing terrain building oh. um, on my popsicle sticks. So my all my popsicle sticks are stained like real wood, and then they look really cool as hardwood plus. Nice. I don't. I don't think I. I have popsicle. I was working on some terrain just a little bit ago, just some foam blocks, Whoa. that I just mm -hmm. textured and painted with black Mod Podge, because that's what Black Magic Craft told me to do. So I just listened to him. <laughs> I'm gonna see if my husband can craft something for me. We had to hide it because the cat kept trying to eat it. What? Well, yeah, it's been in the closet hiding. Thank you. So. Oh, I damn. This. this is the first floor of the Dragon Heist Tavern. Oh, okay. Tavern. Yeah. Um. That's so awesome. This was the original size that I made. This is a bar, mm -hmm. and it's a rainbow bar specifically because my character wanted that. But this was too big, so I technically made this once, not measuring properly, and put my minis in it and realized everything was too big. So then I remade everything. Um, so this is my second version, but um, all of the floors are popsicle sticks. Oh my god, it looks so good. And then this section here. The trap door open. It does. The thing fell off, evidently. Oh, the okay. It does open. Um, and then these here are popsicle sticks around the edges. Mm -hmm. And then the walls have toilet paper glued to them to give them, like, a texture. like Smart. Uh, like stucco. Plaster. Yep. And then the doors all open. That's so cool. 
and then the windows are actually hard with like little steel things in them um, like steel tape yeah um but the stuff that i used was like really hard to find and it's was like $16 or something hmm. but it makes a clear solid pane so you can like I made a wooden um, frame and then I put a layer of the of the clear I don't know what it's called my kid used it all so I don't I have to find it again but you put a layer of the hard acrylic that uh, glosses over and it's clear and then you put the silver tape that you cut out so it looks like there's rails inside of it yeah. and then you put another layer of, of the clear so you just look like you have actual glass panes in there. And it's like, this is so cool. That's awesome. And then I got to the second floor and um, I never finished it. But all the bricks are cut individually. That's by so the, cool. Uh, by the, whatchamacallit, the, I got a foam cutter. Oh, one of the, the nice, like, tabletop where it's almost like a jigsaw? Yeah. Nice. And then I just used an X-Acto knife to cut them in half because they were too big. Still. Yeah, I want to do more because, terrain building. Yeah, I love it. Um, I kind of stopped because we finished Dragon Heist before I could finish the, the whole thing because mm -hmm. this is supposed to be four floors. And then we finished Dragon Heist. And I'm like, are we going to Mad Mage? I'm like, no. And then we switched campaigns completely. And then COVID. And then I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Oh, there's no point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping I want to make a bunch of terrain because my long-term goal is to open up a game store. Oh, God. And, I, and I would love to have just walls and walls of terrain for anyone to use for whatever games they want to run. I also wish that would... That, that is my goal in life, but I don't think it'll ever happen for me because finances. Hey, you never know. So right now, my goal is to just podcast and D&D. Anything related to tabletop games. Mm -hmm. Which I'm doing currently. We'll see how long that lasts. Well, I mean, D&D keeps getting popular. And uh, what was that article I saw? Critical Role is just in someone's article about bringing D&D more to the forefront. I'd have to look it up again. But I mean, D&D keeps getting more popular. We have uh, down the street, 20 minutes away, <laughs> in Lake Geneva, they are opening uh, Griffin and Gargoyle in 2024. And it is a restaurant that looks like a medieval tavern. Very nice. I'll, I'll send you a link to it afterwards. But I like, I sent it to my wife and I'm like, uh, this is gonna be date night every night. Cause it like, it looks like it looks like an old school tavern where you'd find a bunch of adventurers and they mention like the gnome alchemist with all their drinks list and like specifically they're targeting it towards like the D&D community in Lake Geneva, the birthplace of D&D. And I'm like, that's fantastic. So, I mean, D&D is only going to get more popular. So I think if people want to start podcasts, open a game store, do whatever, go for it. There's still plenty of room. There was a place near us that closed and i don't remember i thought i want to say it's warehouse something but i don't remember the name exactly off my head but they were um they had a tavern vibe inside where it was like wooden um everything was wooden and and it was like a board game place where you can go and play board games or go and play D D or mm. go and play um just go and write when nanowrimo was happening which is what we used it for the most um 
but all of their items on the menu and all of their drinks were geek related. Mm. So like you could get an alien appetizer that was like egg related and there's just it was really it was really good but they ended up closing during covid um which sucks but like i get it yeah enough people were eating there so they couldn't afford it anymore um but there's only like surprisingly like i'm in a pretty decent sized city and there's only like two or three places you can go to for like D D stuff now and they're all mostly focused on magic so even D D stuff they don't have a lot yeah the one place had like a little section and that section's gone last time i went and the other place has a bigger section but like they don't really have enough tables to have a lot of people playing D um they have like one or two tables so um i used to go to a store up in newport ritchie which is about an hour north of me and it's a much smaller town but we had uh, a game store inside of the mall that I loved, and I met so many of my friends there. And they had like six or seven tables, and there was just like three to five games going any Wednesday night. And that's when you went to go play D and D, and you paid five bucks to play at the table, and you just bought drinks mm-hmm. from them, and you bought dice from them, and hopefully you were nice and bought books from them as well, even though it was more expensive than Amazon. But ultimately, they ended up closing, sadly, because mm. most people weren't nice, and they weren't buying stuff from them. They yeah. were stuff on Amazon, and then, like, coming in, look what I got, and, like, rubbing it in their face, basically, which wasn't their intent, but still. Yeah. Like, I see both sides. Yes, I get to save $30, yeah. but if you really like this place and you want them to stay open, buy their shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the downside that, like, uh, my buddy owns a game store in our hometown, and he opened it originally as a comic book store because he loves comics. Mm-hmm. But to make money, he has to deal in magic. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, has to. And even to make money, mostly it's all online sales. Like, he has to sell cards online to really make money because you don't make a whole lot of money in store selling packs. Unless you have obsessive people. Yeah. yeah. And you don't make a whole lot. You don't make any money selling comics. So. Yeah his moneymaker is magic. That's what keeps the lights on. And then everything else is just for fun. And I'm like, that sucks, man, because I don't want to own a magic store. I want to own a tabletop game store. I will say that if you own a tabletop game store, you will have at least one magic, the gathering night. No, but I won't allow it. (laughs) But a lot of, not everybody, but quite a few people do coexist in both places. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I got out of magic. Is too expensive. I, I played a handful of times. It's just not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I just get bored after like one round. I'm like, okay, we did a game. We're done now. Oh no, we're playing three times. Oh, oh I have to play here for four hours. I'm bored. I don't yeah. want to play anymore. Can I? Can I back out? <laughs> Where in D and D, I'll play for like eight hours. Exactly. Time. Yeah. D and D for me is more engaging than Magic. Like I, I did have those days where I'd go to the game store at like one when they opened and i'd be there till 1 a.m when they closed playing magic the whole time but i used to do uh eight hour sessions at my friend's house and we would play on the weekends every other week we would play on saturday we get there at noon and one at noon one o'clock same same deal we play for four hours we take a dinner break and then we play for another four hours and sometimes we play the same game the entire time so like if i was dming and i was DMing our evil pirate game 
then we would just play that for eight hours the entire time. But if after four hours I was like, I'm kind of not feeling anymore, I'm kind of tired, we would switch out and some, somebody else would jump in. And like there was two of us who mostly DM'd, me and uh, my friend Bill. Um, so either I would DM or Bill would DM. And then at the end of the day, we would play either eight hours one game or two four hour games. And we were great. And it was fantastic. And I missed those. I know. I always I always talk about those days like back in high school where I'd like get out get out of school Friday, go to your friend's house, start gaming, and then just game all weekend until you go back to school Monday. Yes. Keeping notifications closing. <laughs> so um, I do a, I do have a, a random question for you. Random answer back. Awesome. Thank you. Moving on. No. So <laughs> I like, I just started this podcast and I do it just like free form because, uh, my brain is chaotic, but someone, someone messaged me about being on their podcast and they gave me like a timeline of how they structure their podcast. Mm -hmm. of like, this is going to be the opening this many times for this, this many times for this. And I was like, that's so professional. Do you do that? <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> I, I have some where they are organized. Mm -hmm. So like uh, recently I had B. Dave Walters on the show, which was fantastic. So for that one, I planned ahead mm -hmm. because I was like, okay, what questions do I want to ask? I want to cover like everything he does. I want to make sure I don't just go on for 30 minutes about LA by night because that's what I know him from. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I wrote down questions. I looked up some information to verify I had the right information so I didn't look like an idiot in front of him. Um, so on those ones, I did ask questions down a list. And I have my, but my normal setup is like, hey, I'm going to do an intro and then you're going to introduce yourselves. I'm probably going to ask you how long you've been playing tabletop games. This is not specific to D&D. &D. It could be any tabletop game whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, the point where I changed my thing from a D&D &D podcast to a TTRPG podcast because... I like all of them for the most part. And then I'm like, and then we'll chat for an hour-ish and gotta get distracted because I'm not diagnosed, but I probably have ADHD. <laughs> and um, then at the end, when we hit about an hour, hour and a half, and it feels like a good point, uh, or if you've got to go, then I'll say, tell everybody where you can find you. And yep. then we do our closing. And like, that's literally mine. It's just very loose. Um, if I do a discussion episode, instead of an interview, I will sometimes ask questions on Twitter and say, is there anything you would like to know or anything you have questions about or whatever? And then I might bring those up. But for the most part, I, I either have a very loose timeline or a very loose, not timeline, but um, list of things I want to mention, um, which is probably no more than five or six sentences long. Or I go into say, wait, what, what are we talking about today? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, great, let's get started. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just talk about tabletop games. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm really, uh, yeah, I just like shooting the shit with people. So what do you think, what do you think is going to be in the new edition of D&D? What do you think they're going to change anything? Or they, I keep seeing like there's going to be like a transition where there's going to be 5.5, but then there's also possibly going to be another edition. Honestly, hmm. I don't think they're going to do much. I think they're just using this as a excuse for their 50th, like, just to get hype out. Because isn't their 50th anniversary coming up? 50th uh, is 2023. Okay, so yeah. 
So I think they're just trying to build hype up more so. I don't think they're going to change much. I think they're just going to like rebrand shit. If they're going to do anything, they might bring in some more things from older editions, mm. which would be cool. But I know that they're coming up with some more things, releasing a adventure for um, for Critical Role next year. Um, Was it the Nether Deep that I've been seeing? Yeah, Nether Deep is coming out next year. I think they might come out with more Feywild stuff. I'm hoping they come up with some more Astral Plane shit. Get on mm. that stuff, guys. Even though by the time they come out with it, I won't be in an Astral Plane game anymore. So that's going to defeat the purpose. But still. Um, my honest hope, though I doubt this will happen, is... Well, it might. My hope is that they go more towards the roleplay side of things and away from combat. Mm -hmm. Because I love, I love combat. I am a sucker for throwing a deadly game at you. I will throw a deadly combat at you and then be like, oh shit, sorry, I'm going to kill you. My bad. Um, but I love games that have just pure com pure uh, role play. So Dragon Heist was one of my favorite games that I played that they've, ever, that they've made because it is such a uh, role play focused story and you can do anything and just like meet people and become friends and have relationships and build a tavern and like do all these things that you normally wouldn't get to do in a D&D game because you're out adventuring and not setting up a home space. And I absolutely adore that part. That's my favorite part is building the cities and mm -hmm. building the homes and the relationships and falling in love with Jerlaxle, the bad guy in the Dragon Heist book, and then having a baby with him for them, you know? <laughs> Things like that. It's, it's whatever. Yeah, that's like, uh, like in Pathfinder, their Adventure Path Kingmaker is... Arguably, Ultimate probably campaign. their best one because it's huge, but it is very story. It's very narrative. It's the got ultimate a, campaign. It's so good. The ultimate campaign is my favorite thing, and I fell in love with that years later. Like I was introduced to it like a couple years ago, and when I was introduced to it, I'm like, oh my god, this is a thing. There's a focus. Mm -hmm. on this. Oh, we're doing this. Nope, I don't care. We're just doing this. No, no adventure. Fuck off on your adventure with this. <laughs> this is what we're doing. But you can't do it in fifth edition very well because, like, even with Ultimate Campaign, there's still some things that are wrong with it. Yeah. Um, so, for example, my thing with Ultimate Campaign is you need like eight rolls to successfully run a campaign or run a uh, city, which is bullshit. Because one, as a DM, I don't want to run five NPCs. Mm -hmm. That's I'm already running enough NPCs, but these NPCs actually need sheets to have stats for them, and that's not cool for me. Like, I want as little NPC things to do if I need to. But every single role is important to succeeding, or you have negatives if they're not filled. So either you need an eight-person table, mm -hmm. or you're running a bunch of play NPCs. Um, but what I do... The other thing I didn't like was when we did play it, and we tried to do it as an adventure, the ruler always ends up being in charge of everything which kind of takes away from everybody else which isn't the intent so i think like i'm actually eventually when i have time going to try to come up with a system that is more focused on you running your own kingdom and you are the council mm. whatever that may be whether it's a ruler or a group of people or a, dip, a democracy or uh something else like you are in charge you make all your decisions and play the entire council basically but you have that ability now to be different 
than just a monarchy and then one person making all the calls for your for yeah. the entire kingdom for everybody. Um, but I do love the fact that you can build up your city. There are threats. There are things to worry about. There is potential of anarchy if you don't take care of your citizens. And there's randomness still that's involved. And you have to worry about food and housing and like all these little things. You can't just go exploring to get more stuff because you, the bigger you get, the more issues you have. Mm -hmm. The more attention um, you draw from outside forces. Correct. Um, another place that does it really well for 5th edition is Baldrin's Kingdom Guide to Kingdom Making. Okay. Baldrin's Guide to Kingdom Making. Uh, they do a very decent job, but you basically get a character sheet for your kingdom. Mm -hmm. And you have six attributes, and you start at one for everything, um, which is terrible. <clears throat> But you're a village at first, and then you bump up your stats slowly by building more buildings and increasing particular attributes, so religion, war, uh, war... Commerce. Commerce, stuff like that. Um, once you hit five in something, you go to the next level. Whether you go five in one thing and you're still at one for everything else, that's on you. But if you go to five in something, you hit the next level and then five again so you're at 10 you go to the next level 20 you go to the next level hmm. so you can just hyper focus on religion and make a super religious town but the bigger you get are you going to be able to defend that town mm -hmm. from an oncoming attack of people when your war is at like three interesting so it's it's a very like i like a lot of it i want a mix of the two mm -hmm. with some other shit that I like from other stuff. So, like, I just want to combine, like, six things that I like and just yeah. mash it into the game I want. Yeah, kingdom kingdom building and large-scale combat are always, like, the two biggest issues with D&D. Because, &D. like, I know, like, D&D &D in, in its origins, when it was Chainmail, was supposed to be a tabletop war game using miniatures mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then bringing it over to more of what we know today as like the tabletop role-playing game with heroes, there's always something that gets translated poorly. And I don't, the biggest example I saw of that was in Iron Kingdoms. Their, their tabletop war game was uh, War Machine. And they just like transferred a bunch of the combat rules into tabletop. So we're playing this and the rules are like melee combat is your characters are an inch away like base to base an inch away. And I'm like, well, according to normal D&D rules, that would be they're 10 feet away. So you need a reach weapon. And it's like, no, that's considered melee combat. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. They're like, well, and then a spear, they're two inches away. I'm like, but now they're 15 feet away. So I have like a 15 foot spear that I'm wielding. And then ha, look at my spear. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of their classes was, um, I think it was called duelist. And it was as long as you were holding a bladed weapon you automatically parried any attacks of opportunity that you provoked and this is a setting with giant mechs so i'm like so i can walk around with a butter knife and literally walk by this mech provoke an attack from its three ton hammer and just go ting and parry it Aha. they're like I stopped it. and the dm or gm he's like that's a that's a really dumb rule I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I get, like, it probably works in tabletop wargaming, but it does not work in a tabletop role-playing game. So, recently, um, 
my friend uh, Mike Gip Michael Gibson Gibson and I we created a um, what the fuck is the word? Um, it's a combat system that is not set for any one system. Can't remember what that term is, but um, universal. Yes, there is a different term, but universal works as well. Um, but somebody used our system because it was free. We we're like, use it for whatever. It's free to buy, pay what you want, whatever. Because um, it's our first game that we ever came up with, and we made it in like forty-five minutes on a on a podcast episode. Um, and I really liked what they did. So we had it where you start with like we we assumed fifty HP was decent. It's just to throw it in. There's like four stats that you need to worry about. And they decided that instead of HP, each HP was a person. So they mm -hmm. used it for a larger scale fight. And I really, really liked how it translated because I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense because uh, the way that it works is you have um, healing, you have um, attack, damage, and defense. So your attack versus their defense, or vice versa, is how much, if you get hit or not. And then the damage is how much damage you take. Um, or I think, no, I'm sorry. I should know my own system. It's your attack versus their attack, so it's like a, a it's a uh, competitive role. Mm -hmm. And then if you if they succeed, then you you get hit. And then it's their damage versus your defense. So whatever goes over is what damage you take. Okay. Um, and then you have healing, which is um, how much you heal for your action. And then you have luck, which is your initiative and your bonus die three times per game to add to whatever rolls you want it's your initiative forever but it's your um your bonus extra at roll so if you barely just miss it you can roll your luck and bump it over um and then you assign your die to the categories that are appropriate so you use all the die mm -hmm. um the d20 is your attack and then you assign d6 8 10 and 12 to the four attributes and then you have a d4 in your attack automatically I like uh, that. your damage automatically i'm sorry um but i really liked how the person came up with the system where it was like instead of hp it was it was your per each hp was a person because it made multi-scale combat smarter and mm -hmm. a little simpler to understand and follow without having to go okay well this guy does this and this guy does that it's just like no you're all going in one attack how much damage did you do how many people did you kill in that one go now attack back mm -hmm. so i like games where they do that and they make it a little bit more simplistic though in dnd &D, there are spells that could just counteract an entire army if you yeah. have a strong enough spell um throw in a wizard or a ninth level spell of um what was it called? Uh, I have to look it up. I just looked this up the other day, but I just have a shit memory. Nine levels. Meteor Swarm. Firestorm. It's like, it's like Meteor Swarm. Horrid Wilting. I'm just thinking of high level spells that have large AoE. Creeping Doom. That was my favorite. It might have been Meteor Swarm. But I thought it was something else. Or is it Storm of Vengeance? I think it's Storm of Vengeance. Storm of Vengeance, I remember like the 3.5 version where I'm like, this sounds awesome. Oh, it's not that cool. <laughs> okay, it, it is Storm of Vengeance. Okay. Um, so Storm of Vengeance in 5th edition, it's a ninth level spell. It takes a minute to concentrate, but it spreads over 
360 foot radius. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge area. And then for round one, uh, concentrate. Round one, everything in the area makes a constitution save. That's under the cloud. Um, on a fail save, they take 2d6 thunder damage. If you're using regular military, regular yeah. bandits, that they're all dead mm-hmm. instantly. If you use like veterans, some of them might still be alive. Um, and they all become deafened for five minutes if they fail, which means they have negatives and stuff. Round two, acid rainfalls. There's another one d8 or one d6 damage um, on each creature. There's no save for that. Round three, six bolts of lightning. So now you're going to attack the big things that need to die, or um, and on those ones, 10d6 lightning damage or half on a success to up to six creatures or objects. So hey, they have a giant thing that's gonna just be shot at us. Nope, lightning bolts. Like suddenly that trebuchet is destroyed. Let's say that word. <laughs> no, you said it right, trebuchet. Fantastic. I'm terrible at words. Uh, fourth level, hailstones rain down from the cloud. Every creature, again, takes 2d6 bludgeoning damage. The veterans are all dead by now. Mm-hmm. Like, no questions asked. And then 5 through 10, um, gust and freezing rain assails the area. It's difficult terrain. It's heavily just obscured. Every creature takes 1d6 cold damage per round. Weapons attacks are impossible. And it makes it difficult to maintain concentration. So if they're trying to throw spells at you, that's also failing. So... This is all, like, in the course of one minute, you can utterly destroy a normal army. Mm-hmm. And all you need to do is be able to cast this ninth level spell. Granted, it's a ninth level spell, but still, like, the ability here is, like, epic if you need to use that versus an army. Just, like, just have this one person. Like, who can cast this? I don't know. Like, have this one wizard or one druid or one... Whoever can cast this spell. I think it is. Isn't it a druid-only spell? That is probably right. Yeah, now I remember. Because that spell is... If you were to use it... It probably is. It might be druid-only. But that's one of those spells that, like, if you compare it towards a party of adventurers who are, you know, 17th level, it's kind of subpar against them. (laughs) against a party yeah it's like specifically designed for mass combat right and honestly like if you're that high level you might be defending a castle and you can only be in so many places so you're fighting Mm -hmm. like four of your members are fighting off the big big bad guys that are trying to infiltrate the army and then your druid's like i got this guys and like taking care of the rest of everybody else because if they're high enough to cast level ninth or ninth level spells druids are fucking badass yeah enough as they are level 20 druids are amazing that's like that uh i was in a game where we were having a large mass scale combat and this was back in third edition yes third edition and everyone was up in the air and i was on the ground dealing with all of the uh get out of here (laughs) all the all the troops and we realized after the first round that my minimum damage was more than their hit points and I, my character had Supreme Cleave, where back then I could just keep making a free attack as long as I took down an enemy. So as, as I, long as you hit. So as long as I didn't roll a one, I was fine. 
So it was literally just my turn. It was just me just rolling, 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 rolling until I rolled a one and be like, all right, I killed 15 people that turn. All right, go again, go again, go again. And like, I'm like, man, this is just stupid. Like, yep. so we had, we eventually had to put a limit on it. Like, okay, this is all supposed to take place in six seconds. There's no way you're just like taking down dozens of dudes in six seconds. That's way too wild. I'm so epically fast, guys. Just do a speed. <laughs> My character was known for having the least dexterity out of the party. I think, so fast. I think he I only tricked. had he only had a twenty or twenty-two for dexterity. Only. Well, this was back in third edition. We were level twenty-three, so that was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty low. I don't know. I never played third edition, honestly. It's the same as three five. Okay. I played AD&D like once. I mm. played 3.5 a lot, Pathfinder and 5th edition. I skipped 4th. Um, not because I didn't, not because of any particular reason, just I had not, wasn't playing at all during that time. So I just happened to miss all of 4th and then 5th mm -hmm. edition came back or came in and I was like, that's when I started playing again. And then everybody was like, oh, don't go play 4th. And I tried playing it once because someone's like, oh, I'm going to do a 4th edition game. I'm like, I'll try. I've mm -hmm. never played it before. I was so confused just looking at character creation. I'm like, what am I doing? How do I make a character? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, we just switched it to 5th edition. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I was... Like, don't do that to me again. I, I, uh, we just brought, we brought that up on uh, Tales from the Tavern the other night. Where I mentioned about like character creation for fourth edition when I was looking at the Dragonborn, and it's like you get a breath weapon, and it is either like your dex to attack, your con to attack, or your wisdom to, or no, I think it was strength, dex, or con. You could use either of those for to attack, and then it was the damage, and then the saves were all different. And I'm like, that's that's way too much. You need to simplify it. Like, you want to attack with it? It's con, whatever. It's con forever. Just leave it at that. Or it's first reflex done. It's that forever. From what I understand, fourth edition was meant to uh, bring in some video gamers into the world. Um, sorry, my no worries. Yeah, the rumblings I've read and heard is that when they were developing fourth edition, they were reaching out to their community online which at the time was just small forums whose name I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And that was the people who were like, we want more of this, more of this, more of this. And that was also when WoW was hugely popular, mm -hmm. where you have all these special abilities that have cooldowns. And that's very, uh, it's obvious that that's where fourth pulled a lot of stuff from, where you have like your free abilities, your dailies, your encounters, Mm -hmm. Like everything has a cooldown, and that's where they introduced the short and long rest. Like, oh, I can short rest. Cool, I got my encounter powers back into the next room. I don't, I don't know. Like, I understand the logic behind it because, like, someone pointed out to me once. Um, I'm a huge person against, like, not meta gaming specific. Well, meta gaming, yes, but that's not the word I was looking for. For overpowered characters, mm -hmm. um, and min maxing, I understand to a point. Um, like, you have to be good at something mm -hmm. but you don't have to be the best person ever and you shouldn't be broken yeah um so for example like my monk that i have is very very good at dexterity based things and wisdom based things because she's a monk yeah but she's not i'm not gonna make it so that she's also broken at everything else mm -hmm. which is what some players like to do they want to be the best of the best of the best 
where they are the one that's in charge of everything and they're like oh i'm a rogue but i can suddenly punch things and i'm like why yeah why why are you punching things oh and i also get my sneak attack i'm like no whoa Mm -hmm. whoa are you a swashbuckler no Then, then why why are you punching me and getting sneak attack? I don't understand. Stop stealing my thing. Mm-hmm. I will kill you. <laughs> and then he kill- he knocked me out in the middle of the fight. And then when I woke up and he's like, I saved you. I'm like, I punched him in the face. <laughs> like, Fighting is my thing. No. Yeah. You can't have that too. I don't, I don't really mind min-maxers because they don't bother me. And they've never given me a hard time in game because I'm the DM. I'm the arbiter. I get the final say. So, like, all you're going to do is just, you're just going to make your life harder for you if you try to, like, uh, like antagonize the DM. Or if you're min-maxing to the point to where you're, like, pissing off the other players, like, that's an issue. I don't like yeah. that. And we're going to, like, resolve everything. That's where it becomes an issue. Like, if everybody at the party is doing it, mm-hmm. if everybody's making overpowered characters, great. Yeah. Everybody can make it. It's when one out of four of you are making an overpowered character and you become the star of the show and then makes everybody else feel inferior because they're like, well, I can't do that. That's not fair. Mm -hmm. That's when it gets to my nerves. Um, Metagaming, period, is just annoying. So, like, they suddenly magically know something about you. I'm like, no, 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 no. You do not know that. You shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. You don't know shit. Oh, well, I heard, no, you didn't hear shit because you were nowhere near me. You didn't say you were near me, therefore you did not hear me. Shut your mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. That actually... Like, oh, I'll go ahead. I'll you out of my game if you met a game. I will just... If you don't stop, at least. if you, I'll give you a chance. But if you keep going, I'm going to be like, fuck's sakes, shut the fuck up or leave. Yeah. That was like... Uh, I saw uh, a little debate going on Twitter. Rarity. Um, that was... T- yeah, I know. This debate <laughs> They were talking about, uh, like player knowledge and the old school mentality of when you look at the old DMGs where it talked about like, this is for the DMs eyes only or only not the players. And they were arguing that everything should be open to the player. And I'm like, I get that to a point, but when you've run games and you throw trolls at your players and they immediately are like, oh, I start lighting a torch. Do you though? Yeah. I'm like. <laughs> That's why, like, there is that ignorance is bliss sort of thing. Like, if when I was playing, I didn't read the monster manual. I didn't read the DMG because my brother was running games and he didn't allow me to do those things. And I remember combat was surprising every time when I go to attack something. And I'm like, what do you mean my sword goes through the skeleton? He's like, well, it's a skeleton. Your sword goes between the ribcage. And I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense. I remember in a Pathfinder game I played in, and I ended up leaving this game um, because of the players they were making overpowered characters. Because in Pathfinder, it's very, very, mm-hmm. I won't say easy, but if you know what you're doing, it's simple enough to make a very overpowered, ridiculous character. And I didn't know how to do that. I was making a character for fun. I wanted to play a character that had flaws and that wasn't perfect because that's what I enjoy to do. So this player was pissing me off for other reasons unrelated to which is why i left but in there is one fight scene and in pathfinder i didn't know this out of character or in character but if you are fighting a swarm you can't shoot piercing arrows at them it won't do anything Mm -hmm. 
In 5th edition, you can hit them with a piercing with an arrow. You're just hitting one of them or whatever. You're still hitting them. So in the Pathfinder game, I pull out my bow and arrow, which is what I was used to, and I shot at them. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. They're like, you, they don't get damage from that. I'm like, well, have we fought a swarm yet? No. Then I don't know that. Yeah. Also, Nikki didn't know that. So why would I know that? Well, you should know that. And I'm like, <laughs> your logic is flawed. Um, also, how long would it take me to actually know that it's because I'm using arrows and not because I just missed? Mm -hmm. Like, did I just not do a good shot? Because I don't know what I rolled, technically. I don't know how... Like, you can tell if you roll really shitty and it hits the floor, but, like, if it hits the swarm, is it just because I didn't hit well enough or is it because it actually won't hit them? So those are, like, my things. Like, I would keep shooting at it until someone... Like, I realize, I'm like, oh, this isn't working. Maybe I should try something else. Um, and then I'll try something else, but I'm like, then what did I try? I don't have anything else other than my bow and arrow. Yeah. I'm a rogue. What do you want from me? Um, but the reason why I left that game was because he kept... I was playing a um, cat folk... Um, which is a tabaxi for 5th edition. But um, they kept... Words. The DM used random generators to determine what was like on the menu, what was in the store, what was in your loot, whatever. So sometimes there was weird shit in, the, in those things. And it wasn't her fault, it was just it was randomly generated at the time of us completing it. So we went to the restaurant, and one of the things in the menu was cat. So... The player decided that he was going to order the cat in front of my cat folk. Mm. And I'm like, I wasn't, of course, my character's not paying attention. She's looking at the menu, like, doing whatever. And he's like, oh, I want to order the uh, cat steak. And I'm like, I'm sorry, the what? I just say out loud. And he's, like, looking dead at me while saying this. And I'm like, what did you just say? The cat steak. And he's grinning. And I'm like, I'm sorry, it looks at waitress. There's cat sticks? Please tell me this is just like a, a joke, right? This, they're not actual cats. Oh, well, no, there's actual cats. I'm raiding the kitchen. I'm saving all the cats. <laughs> so I went and like rescued all the cats and I was pissed. Um, and then later we found like a lion skin or something. Just randomly. Mm -hmm. Again, random generation. Um, he puts the lion skin on and acts like a cat folk to insult me slash scare me slash do whatever mostly just piss me off yeah I'm like you're using the skin of an ancestor of mine to in to, to what what are what are your what is your goal is it to piss me off because it's working it's working real well so um i finally dm messaged the dm and i'm like this character needs to leave why because i will murder him mm-hmm like, it's getting to that point where I'm getting angry out of character and my character is getting angry in character. Um, but I don't want to be a murderer of someone that I have trusted for 11 levels. We've done so much together. So I left a note that was stabbed in, into his uh, pillow next to his head with a dagger <laughs> that said, I am leaving because you are an asshole and I cannot work with you or I will murder you. You're welcome. <laughs> I took my kid too. God, I can't stand people like that. that. Those are those people who will say like, well, that's what my character would do. 
there are certain things that fits for that, but just being obnoxious during yeah. the play for others is not one of those things. Yeah. My character would try to steal shit, sure. But she would know better than to steal shit in front of others when it would make things worse for them. Yeah, or even from your own party members. Right, I would never steal things from the party unless it's to go, ha I stole things, hide it better. Yeah. And hand it back. Um, she did steal from, like, potential employer and rolled a natural 20 because there's a very shiny tiara that happened to be a, a tiara of fireballs. Ooh. But, you know, whatever. It was cool and shiny, and now I can't wear it because we almost might work for them, and then they tried to turn us against our boss. You know, whatever. <laughs> but, like, that character has ADHD and will bamf out of randomly. Yeah. But we also have a joke of uh, the wizard makes a, a fidget toy at a thaumaturgy and distracts <laughs> her minor illusion. <laughs> and then she can sit still for like 10 minutes as she plays with the toy. Oh my god. So that's what... She's 29, but she still acts like a 12-year-old. That's like every Kender. Every Kender is like that. Uh, I don't know Kender. You don't know Dragonlance at all? No. So Dra in Dragonlance, there's a, a race called Kender. They're essentially like halflings, but not hobbit-based, so they don't have big furry feet. They're normally proportioned, but they are known to be just mischievous. And it's not ill will, it's just their nature. And it's very common that like a Kender's pockets will just acquire stuff from somewhere. So like when you reach into your pockets, you roll on a chart and it's like, oh, where'd I get this dagger from? interesting like oh where did i get this helm of brilliance it's just random because you're just walking along like oh this is kind of nice pocket like without even thinking about it like a kender in modern days has a pocket full of big pens and lighters okay i understand that <laughs> like so she's, i don't mean yeah, to be that guy i'm just that guy <laughs> she would probably do that she tries not to steal from people who need it mm -hmm. because she is good um, like she'll she'll go and bamf next to an apple cart, steal some apples, but put some silver on the cart, and then bamf away before they realize it. But they're they're paid, they're yeah. paid like more than enough. And then she drops the apples into some orphans' laps that pass. She passes by, and then she bamfs away again. So people like the kids see her just bamfing and are amused as fuck. And the people nearby are probably like, "Who's? Oh, there's money. Never mind." Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's probably Mika again. I love I love doing that in games, overpaying for stuff. Like if the uh, like barmaid drops off drinks, be like, ah, here you go, and toss them like a platinum. <laughs> Setting the balance of the of, of, of everything. Yeah. So then the bartender or uh, barmaid can just be like, well, I'm gonna go start my own village. <laughs> just takes off. I have a funny story about overpaying and it backfiring a little bit. Ooh. Um. So in my Friday game. My we play fifth edition. I play my monk Tari, who's a Kalistar um, monk, punchy girl McGee, who loves to just punch everything, and has a very short uh, attention span and is very. She has very short um, views and is very impatient. Um, she's gotten smarter over the last two years of gameplay, but she still will rush in and fight things. But we're in this group together, and we started eating at this inn, and we didn't really like the inn food, so we were like, let's go find some, like, hot cakes or sweet cakes or something, so we go outside, and then there's a little old lady next to a cart selling sweet buns, so we buy all of them for the day. 
and we give her like 10 gold. It's worth like a couple silver. Gold max. Yeah. Not even. But we like buy her out and we eat all of them because we're hungry adventurers or something. Um, so we do this repetitively for months. And then one day we go out to go look for the sweet cake lady who we never asked her name and she's not there. And we're like, where's the sweet cake lady? Why is the sweet cake lady here? I'm like, okay, well, we go look for a different sweet cake lady. And we get to that person and we're like, sweet cake lady that works in front of insert in name here. You mean Mildred? Like, oh, that's her name. Yes, Mildred. What's your name, by the way? <laughs> okay, we should ask that more. But yes, Mildred. Where's Mildred? Oh, haven't you heard? Her, her, her grandson went missing. I'm like, I'm sorry, her what now? Where does Mildred live? We must go figure this out right now. <laughs> we had a side quest suddenly mm. where we went to go find Mildred's house. And we talked to her and we found out that um, we had given her so much money that she was able to afford to buy her own bakery in her own house with a bakery with a house on top of it. And someone had found out and demanded the money in exchange for her grandson. But she had already put the money down towards the house, so no longer had the money. And they left a symbol on their bed that was like the symbol of some mythological creature that stole children at night um, that nobody believed in. Eventually, they found the grandson. He was not alive, unfortunately. So our characters, who have adopted three kids of our own from another rescue mission, and now see our hotcake lady, Mildred, very sad, are not cool with this. And we're like, don't worry, Mildred. We'll, take, we'll make sure that they pay. And we went on a fucking manhunt for this person. It was like some red caps that worked for somebody else. And we utterly annihilated all of them very painfully to make sure we understood who told them to do this. Because um, as soon as they as soon as they found out that they couldn't afford to pay, they killed the child in a way that made it so it wasn't like it looked like an accident. Mm -hmm. So then none of the cops believed like none of the sheriffs believed them. And they're like, oh, well, he just tripped and fell into the well. It's like, no, no, he didn't. So we went and found out the answers and killed everything. So then she became our adopted grandma and is now the grandma to our three kids. That's amazing. So we're like, don't you fucking dare mess with Mildred. Oh, my God. Was this this was a homebrew game, I'm guessing? It was, um, yes-ish. It was a, a, an Eberron okay. game that wasn't homebrew. That was homebrew enough mm -hmm. that I didn't even fucking realize it was a module. Yeah. Even though evidently she had said it was a module at some point, and I that just went went out one in went in one ear and out the other, and I'm just like, no, this is a homebrew game. What are you talking about? God, that's awesome. Yeah, like little little things like that, like with Mildred the sweet role lady. Like you can't write things like that in an adventure and have them play out the way you experienced yeah. it. Exactly. I mean. Like you can't write out, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say like you can't write out like have the players interact with this character on a daily basis, buying all the sweet rolls to form some sort of bond, then have her disappear, and then have the, it's like, yeah, no, you that. yeah, that's not gonna. You can't force organic things like that to happen. The other things that happen, there's so many things that happen in that game that are just like would never have happened. Um, my character was, uh, ace. She thought she was asexual, um, 
but she turns out to be on on the plane of asexuality but just wasn't asexual but she just had no interest she just was never understood why people would make these jokes she was very naive didn't understand half the innuendos that she said accidentally that i said on purpose um and every and like people would hit on her and she didn't understand that they were hitting on her and then when they did something she punched him in the face so it never ended well so um she they worked for a um for a couple of missions for someone who ran a um the something feather red feather i think it was called or the blue feather and it, it was a basically a place where you could buy and pay for women or men or whomever mm-hmm. to pleasure you in whatever ways you would like so the owner of that store constantly wanted to like have my character come over to like learn more so i wouldn't be so naive and she invited me to a party and said that there would be a massage and my character's oh i really need a massage and she's like yep that's all it's gonna be is a massage so we did like a year time jump and randomly i had this idea and i won't go too far into the details of it because it's kind of more adult but um, i just messaged the dm i'm like could i have met a relationship while there and they're like what like so a year ago I was invited to this event that I thought was just a massage. It was not. Um, my character would have felt very uncomfortable and confused. And could somebody have come over and basically protected me, like helped me understand what was happening. And then I slowly fall for this person and then ultimately realize I have, I don't remember what the term is, but when you only have interest in someone when you are romantically interested in them. Mm-hmm. Um in that I fell in love with this person who is a changeling named Skylar. Um, and she, or they showed me what the, all of these things meant. And slowly over the course of a year, we fell for each other. And then we've been dating for a role of 12 the last four months. Mm. Um, and so we actually did it where like, I would have paid to see this person uh, once a week. And then it got more and more frequently until they eventually stopped accepting my money. So I subtracted all that money for the last year, too, just to like, because I didn't tell anybody and I wouldn't have told anybody because I was worried that the bad guys would find out and have something else to hold over my head. Um, not knowing that the bad guy was the one that she, this person worked for. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so in a scene later where there was this humongous explosion and all these houses, every Dragon Mark house exploded, and so did the the feather. My character started freaking the fuck out, and the players had no idea why. And she's just like screaming at them, get down, get down, get over there right now, or I will jump from this place, and I will slow fall, and I will get there before you land, <laughs> like just freaking out. And they're all confused, and I rush over, and I see a changeling just laying on a tree, in their normal changeling form and i panic Mm. and then they twitch and i'm like bria's about to fucking kill you (laughs) i just made up this relationship last week and i'm already very attached how dare you (laughs) but they they survived and then they were uh thankfully they survived because i basically i threw this into it after she had already made the plans of everything exploding (laughs) And there weren't supposed to be any survivors. Mm-hmm. So she she threw me a bone and gave me my relationship. I'd hope so. That'd be I'm awful like, if they didn't. That would have hurt so much. How dare you? Um. 
But yeah, then the players found out. They're like, oh, hey, by the way, this is Skylar. We've been dating for four months behind all your backs. Um, and now I want to kill this person even more that did all this to them. That's awesome. I want to play an Eberron again. So badly. It's a fun game. There's so much shit you can do. I'm doing our morning blues game is an Eberron. I'm thinking about picking up all the old books. Yeah. Yeah, our morning blues game is Cowboy Bebop-esque inspired. Mm. So we're having fun with that. I like that. So it's been about, it's been about, oh man, it's been 90 minutes already. Well, I mean, the first 30 was a spitchin, so. Yeah. <sighs> I know, I gotta do adulting today, which is not fun. I mean, probably. Well, we can, uh, let's wrap it up then. Wanna uh, do a little do a little plug, see what you're all about, what you got going on from your uh, home base in Florida. Ever get you out your notepads? It's gonna be a lot. So <laughs> I am Nikki from Beholder to No One, a TTRPG podcast with three shows. We have a discussion shows every Monday and on Thursdays we alternate between one shots of non D D games usually and a morning blues campaign which is based in Eberron, um, Cowboy Bebop esque bounty hunter style. And that just started, so episode three released on the 14th of October. I don't know when this episode is going out. Um, I'm also part of Awfully Queer Heroes. You can find the new campaign releasing on November 11th, which is the Fall of Waterdeep, where I'm a player in. And I'm trying a neutral good character for the first time in a very long time. Watch me suffer. Um, if you want to watch me DM, though, chaotically, uh, there is an entire series of 13 episodes I say watch loosely, listen, um, called Uncaged Anthology, which is a fantastic series of books you can also find on the DMs Guild, so you should check those out. I am also on uh, a Monster of the Week campaign on 2000 Tales every Friday. Um, there are four weeks where it, we played the Fate Script, which I DM'd, which is a D&D 5th edition post-apocalyptic game, um, which will also eventually be on my show. And... In the future, I will be releasing two new podcasts. One is Sound Control RPG, which will have sci-fi games, Savage Worlds first, and then Teens in Space, and then a Dice Before Dawn podcast with Vampire the Masquerade, Phoenix Fight Night. Mm. All of which will be available on my Patreon before they are released publicly, because I don't know when they're going to be released publicly yet. I'm waiting on contracts. So you should go listen to all those things. And if you need an editor, I'm also available for that. If you need a producer, I'm also available for that. If you need a professional DM, I'm also available for that. <laughs> That's everything, I think. That's amazing. I'm so bad at doing my own plugs. <laughs> I you are professional. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't have a notepad in front of you. I, I don't. I was forget. I, I honestly forget like half the shit that I do. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I hope you have a wonderful Friday. Thank you. Yeah, and it'll be good to talk to you again in the future. Yeah. It'll be a good time. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.